Good morning. Two weeks ago, we had our fifth kid. Uh, two weeks, we named him. Uh, we named him Cruz Stud. After uh, C.T. Studd, the famous English missionary. And so if you come to our house, people, I'm like, how's the new baby? I'm like, man, he's a stud, literally. So, um, you know, growing up, I'm from Arkansas, and uh, I became a Christian in high school. And I was like, you know, it's just like this sudden happening. And I was like, man, I got to be a good Christian. Like, I want to grow deep in the Lord. What is it that you do as a Christian? And I was like, listen to Christian music. So I went out and uh, I bought some Christian music and I just, I I began to kind of drown myself in that. Then I'm like, well, I want to go deeper in the Lord. What else do you do? And I was like, oh, you wear Christian t-shirts. And so I went out and I bought Christian t-shirts. So listen to Christian music, wearing Christian t-shirts, like there's something missing. There's still something missing. And I was like, oh, I got to put one of those fish ichthus things on my car. So I I had the trifecta, right? I was listening to music. I was wearing the Christian t-shirts. And I just thought to be a Christian meant that you look the part, you act the part, and you dress the part. I thought that's what it meant to be a Christian. You look the part, act the part, and dress the part. And so go off to college, walking across campus my freshman year. This guy stops me. I've never seen him before. He says, what's your name? I said, Todd. He said, are you a Christian? I showed him my shirt. And it was kind of, he invited me to, to this Bible study. And I was like, what time does it start? He said, 6.30. And I was like, okay, I'll grab dinner early and then go over. And he's like, no, the other 6.30. I didn't know there were two. Okay. <laughs> and so um, as I get to the Bible study, he opens up a map of the world. And he says, Todd, pick a country and pray for it. And anxiety started to crawl up my arm because I'd never prayed out loud in public for the nations. And so I just said, I'll pick America. And he said, man, pick somewhere further away. So I'm like, Mexico. And he said, no, pick somewhere really far away. And I looked down in the middle of the the map and the country of Saudi Arabia caught my eye. And so I just said, I'll pray for Saudi. And, And after that short prayer, he challenged me. He said, come back next week and tell me how many Muslims, how many mosques, how many Christians, how many churches are in Saudi Arabia. And after seven weeks of praying for Saudi Arabia, I felt like the Lord wanted me to move there. Posing a problem. (laughs) I'm like, no, Lord. Like, I'm doing enough. I I look the part, act the part, and dress the part. And and I remember specifically God kind of speaking to me and saying, it's not about Christianizing your life. It's about crucifying your life. It's not about Christianizing your life, looking the part, acting the part, and dressing the part. But it's allowing the Lord to crucify your life. And that's the problem. The problem is we have our little cubby hole and we say, this is my mission, Lord. This is my mission. This is what I'm about. This is my zip code, my life, my kids, my stuff, my agenda, my savings. And God says, would you leave your mission and join my mission? And, And that's the tension we have. That's the tension we have. And especially when it comes to saying, I serve a global God, I need to be a global Christian. We need to understand the story and the mission of God in this book. This is not just 66 separate books, but this is one book with an introduction, a plot, and a conclusion. And the story of God's mission actually begins in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. There's two people on the planet, Adam and Eve, and God says, fill the earth. I want you to populate physically. This is a physical command, but it has spiritual intentions. As the waters cover the earth, so the knowledge of me. 
Well, Genesis chapter 3, man sins. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, every thought of man is evil. So God floods the earth in chapter 7 and 8. And in chapter 9, one family steps off the ark and it's a mere command. It's the exact same command. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. I want worshipers of me all over the planet. And so as I'm reading the Bible and I get to Genesis chapter 11, I'm asking one question. Does God get it? Does humanity obey? Keep reading. Now the whole earth had one language in a common speech. I think it's very important to understand as of Genesis 11, there was only one language on planet earth. Everybody only spoke English. And as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Look at this. So that we may make a name for ourselves. So that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Humanity disobeys. So what does God do? He comes down. He sees the city they're building. He says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they'll not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. Genesis 11 is a pivotal point in scripture. Genesis 11 is where we get all the different languages. Every language today comes from Genesis 11. French, Mandarin, Spanish, rap. It all comes from right here in Genesis chapter 11. Now, every book has an introduction, a plot, and a conclusion. This is no different. The Bible is one book. Genesis 1 through 11 is the introduction. The goal of the introduction is to create tension that the plot will ultimately resolve in the conclusion. So you have an introduction that goes from Genesis chapter 1 through 11. And the tension is this. How is God going to get his name to the 6,912 languages that we now have on planet Earth? How is God going to get his name to all these nations? And all you got to do to join the plot and to see where it begins, all you have to do is turn the page. Just turn the page to Genesis chapter 12. The plot begins in Genesis chapter 12. I had no idea the importance of Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, the mission of God hits motion in the man Abram. Listen to this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Get out, leave, leave. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Ever curse you, I will curse. But here it is. Abram, are you ready for this? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Get used to hearing God say that. Abraham, all peoples, all nations will be blessed through you. He's only going to repeat that 1,600 more times in the Bible. All peoples will be blessed through you. As I've wrestled with Genesis chapter 12, I call this passage the Abrahamic revolution. Because the mission of God begins in Genesis 12. The domino tips with Abraham. And it goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Joshua to David to the prophets to Jesus to the early church to us. But it begins... In Genesis chapter 12, the leading scholar for all of Christians on all of Europe who died a few years ago, John Stott, said this. Genesis 12, 1 through 4 are the most important passages in all of the Bible. He says the whole of God's purpose of creating a people to bless all peoples was birthed in Genesis 12. And what happens? Abraham leaves. 
Abraham, just like you, your son, the mission of God comes to him. Isaac, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give him all these lands. And guess what? All nations on earth will be blessed through you. There it is. Jacob, just like Abram and just like Isaac, guess what? Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and they will spread out to the west, to the east, and the north, to the south. Why? All peoples. We're not even out of Genesis yet. And there it is again. All peoples, all nations we bless through you. A buddy of mine graduated from K-State University in Manhattan, Kansas, and his name was Andrew. And I was like, Andrew, tell me like a story from college. He's like, man, in Manhattan at K-State University, we didn't have much, but we had our football. He's like, some of the greatest days were road tripping to away football games. He's like, one time a buddy of mine texted me, be out front in 10. I packed a bag, threw stuff together, went out to the curb and met my five friends. And we were going to drive, the six of us were going to drive from Manhattan, Kansas to Dallas, Texas to go to this away football game. He's like, Todd, when we got to the stadium, at this away football stadium, my friend unloads the trunk and he throws on the floor eight cans of purple wall paint and says, men, suit up. My friend Andrew's like, you want us to paint our bodies purple? We could die of skin poisoning. But we all knew it was worth it. He said, Todd, do you know, do you know what the six of us, what word we painted on our chest? I'm like, what, hey, mom? Hi, ESPN? He's like, no, the six of us painted one word on our chest. Family. I'm like, family? Why family? He's like, because at K-State University, when you come as a freshman, they say, you're not a student, you're a part of the family. The football stadium at K-State University is called Family Stadium. He said, Todd, third quarter with a minute left, something happened in the game. I said, what? He said, we're down by 41. (laughs) He said, I'm banging on the bleachers. I'm yelling at the refs. And then he has this epiphany. He's like, man, I am in desperate need of exercise and our team's in desperate need of rest, but I can't get in the game because I'm painted in purple with an F on my chest wearing a kilt. And, and, And I said, Andrew... I, I think you have just succinctly summarized American Christianity. I think you have succinctly summarized American Christianity. I'm a part of the family, but I'm not in the game. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I don't celebrate Halloween. I'm doing the right stuff. But when it comes to engaging God in his mission and giving up my mission, I say, no, thanks, Lord. Sorry, I'm different. I got kids in junior high, a mortgage, a job, debt, and a issues. So Susie, she should go to Guatemala, but not me. I'm different. I'm important. Right? And when you continue to read through scripture, you see God's inviting us in his mission. Think about this, the Ten Commandments. Why did God give the nation of Israel these commandments? I have taught you these decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who are watching. It keeps going. What about this one? Pharaoh. Why did God raise up Pharaoh? I've raised you up for this very purpose, Pharaoh, that I might show you my power, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Why does he give Solomon wisdom? Solomon is greater in riches and wisdom than all the kings of the earth. The queen of Sheba traveled 1,200 miles to visit Solomon. Why? The whole world sought audience with Solomon. 
to hear the wisdom God has put in his heart. We serve a global God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come up out of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar pins a letter to guess who? Peoples, nations, men of every language who live in all the world. It's all over the place if we have eyes to see. But what happens if you're not careful, you take your Bible, you open it, and you do this. Where am I? 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 And we highlight, memorize, and underline things we like. I can remember uh, in Arkansas, we have these things. I don't know if you have them here in Omaha. They're called Christian bookstores. And uh, they're like the size of Walmart, but you have to be a Christian to go in. And I love going into Christian bookstores. I don't know if you've been there in a while. You can get some awesome stuff at Christian bookstores. You can get like Christian printers. You can get Christian plants. You can get Christian mints that help you memorize verses. You can get Jesus bobblehead figurines. You can get... It's endless. And, 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 and we walk in. My wife and I were at the Christian bookstore. And we walk in and I see this Christian picture. It had a verse on it. Therefore, it's Christian. You know? And... And, and I saw the verse, and I was like, I need this picture. I want this picture for my office. And it, let me just explain the picture. It was huge. It had a fisherman. It had a stream. It had a tackle box. It had the sun rising. But the coolest part was like an 80-font gold calligraphy. It said, be still and know that I am God, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, I love that verse. Be still and know that he is God. I just, that's, that resonates, you know? And I'd seen that verse my whole life. I mean, I'm not kidding. I've seen it embroidered on tea towels and crocheted on bowling balls. Actually, the opposite. Um, right? We've seen it our whole life. We, as a matter of fact, if you stand up and say, finish this verse, be still, and everybody in the audience is like, and know that I am God. You know, it's like, ah. But I think what caught my eye was the dot, dot, dot on the verse because I'm like, wait a minute. Dot, dot, dot means second half, not there. And I was like, man, I've actually never even known there was a second half to Psalm 4610. I didn't even know. I'm like, how bad is the second half of Psalm 4610 that it never makes the picture frame, the bowling ball, or the tea towel? I mean, how bad is, is it? What's it say? Be still and know that I'm, I'm God and Judas found a rope and hung himself. I mean, how bad is, like... What does the second half say a Psalm 46.10 that I've never heard it in my whole life? So I went to the Bible section. I grabbed a Bible and I went to Psalm 46.10. I was like. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That's the whole verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted among the earth. But as a white, wealthy Westerner, that, that makes that, that, that second half is very uncomfortable. So how can I get rid of it, sidestep it, and only focus on me and my needs and me? And someone at the picture frame factory was like, we got it. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> They'll never even know. They don't look up verses anyway. And so I told my wife, I was like, Jess, I need intervention. I bought, a, I bought a new Bible. I started in Genesis. I started in Genesis chapter 1. And I said, I'm going to take a highlighter. And every time it says the word, any time in the verse, it has the word all, peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, languages. I'm going to highlight that verse. 
So I started in Genesis, and I'm only looking for all peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, languages. 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 I got to the end, and it took me three highlighters. Not because I let the cap off. So now when someone's like, Todd, why are you moving your five kids and your wife to the Middle East? I say, why are you not? And then I slap them. But it's true, isn't it? It's almost like the burden of proof is on you why you're not a goer, whether that means across the ocean, across the street, or reaching out to the refugees here. We serve a global God. Matter of fact, we're still in the Old Testament. Passage after passage continues. Listen to this one. Isaiah, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant or store the tribes of Jacob. I will make you a light for the nations that you might bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. O Lord, my strength, my fortress, Jeremiah 16, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say our fathers possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Again, it continues, Zephaniah, the Lord will be awesome to them. When he destroys all the gods of the land, the nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in their own land. Malachi 1.11, you almost go into verse coma. We're still in the Old Testament. I mean, it, it's all over the place. But if you're not careful, where am I, 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 where am I? My wife and I got in a van and we lived there for seven years in a van. And for six, we, we visited 622 college campuses over a seven-year period challenging Christian college students to give five years of their life to the Muslim, Buddhist, Hindus, Chinese, and tribal world after they graduate. That's what we did. 622 college campuses, crisscrossed American, and we got to this one campus, and I remember this campus. I'd heard so much about this campus that I wanted to go see the campus. And so we weren't speaking on the campus, but I wanted to go visit the campus. And so we were walking across the campus, and the campus minister stops us. And he sees that we're visiting this campus, and he's like, can I help you? And we're like, man, we've heard so much about the campus. He's like, oh, well, you can be our welcome guest. Would you like to come to chapel? And I'm like, you guys have chapel? He's like, yeah. We'd, I was like, I'd love to come to chapel. He's like, well, it starts at 11. We've got to go over there now, 45 minutes early, if we want to get a seat. And I'm like, what? Is it, like, mandatory? Like, you have to swipe your ID card to get spiritual formation credit? He's like, no, 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 no. Our chapels are optional. I'm like, your chapel's optional? He's like, our chapel's optional. We get there, the speaker gets up, opens the Bible to Ephesians, and challenges the students to be global with their degree. We sit down, everybody's taking notes, and, 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 and he, we, we hear this message, he, he closes in prayer, we leave, and the campus minister's like, what'd you think? I was like, that was incredible. 5,000 students come to an optional chapel, a challenging message to be global with your degree, Everybody taking notes, he said, if you think that's crazy, 62% of this entire campus will spend two years of their life overseas after they graduate. I'm like, 62% of these 5,000 students are going to spend two years after they graduate? I was bummed because we were at Brigham Young University, the headquarters of Mormonism. See, if you're a Mormon college student and you graduate from BYU and Provo, Utah, and you go back to Salt Lake City and say, Mom, Dad, I don't want to take the teachings of Joseph Smith to North Africa. Instead, I want to stay in Salt Lake City, pad my resume, pay off this debt, and get engaged to this girl. Your parents will say, young man, sit down. You have a general obligation to take the teachings of Joseph Smith to those in North Africa. 
If you're a Christian college student, you go to University of Nebraska, you come back home to Omaha and you say, Mom, Dad, I checked into college with my agenda. I checked out with God. He wants me to go two years to North Africa to learn Arabic and be a church planner among the Muslims. Your Christian parents will say to you, young man, sit down. Not you. Not now. I didn't send you to college that you would waste your life on the mission field. And so what happens is we have our mission, our life, our stuff, our debt, our kids. And God says, but I gave you that so that you'd be grafted into my mission. And I think for me, this was very difficult because we had our first daughter, our first child. And I remember we, you know, we prayed over this girl. We prayed over her and my wife would always pray first. And I remember the first prayer my wife prayed over my daughter Camden. She was like, Father, I pray you would stamp eternity on her heart. I pray that you would give her a heart for North Africa, the Muslims, that she would be the hope of the 500 million women trapped behind the veil of Islam, that you would allow her the opportunity to be buried in Libya. I'm like, uh, my turn. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Father, I pray that Camden would love me and Chick-fil-A, that she would marry a guy who loves me and, and golf. That, that, that they would have problems with his in-laws right away, that we would get him for Christmas and Thanksgiving, no questions asked. And, and, and my wife's like, Todd, what are you doing? And I said, Jessica, I spent seven years recruiting other people's kids so ours don't have to go. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. But isn't that so true? God blesses us with safety and savings and offspring and affluence. And what do we do? Oh, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. When you transition to the New Testament, Jesus continues with his mission that began in Abram. All of these verses of God, of Jesus doing miracles to, to non-Israelites. You're familiar with some of these, the demon-possessed man of the Gadareans. The healing of the Canaanite's daughter. Matter of fact, the disciples ask Jesus a question in Matthew 24. The disciples say, Jesus, what's the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And he answers them. He basically says, remember Genesis 12. What was my promise to Abram? I told Abram in Genesis 12 that through him all peoples will be blessed. So let me just tell you this. When this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to who? The whole world. The whole world. Then the end will come. You should know this. And when you think about the last commands of Christ, okay? Before Jesus was crucified, he roamed the earth, spoke over a ministry of three years, talked about many things. But after he ascended, after he roamed after the crucifixion for 40 days, he dialed in on what's called the Great Commission. Now, I thought the Great Commission was one verse in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That is not true. That is a missions myth. There is not one Great Commission text. There are five. There are five Great Commission texts. The first Great Commission text is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. The emphasis here is on how deep the gospel goes. 
The second Great Commission text is in Mark 16, 15. It has nothing to do with how deep the gospel goes. It has to do with how wide the gospel goes. Go, Mark 16, 15, and preach, proclaim to all creation. The first Great Commission text is Matthew 28. The second Great Commission text is Mark 16, 15. The third Great Commission text is Luke 24, 46, and 47. This is written. Genesis 12. This is written. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. The fourth Great Commission text is in John 20, 21. Forty times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is known as the sent one. For God so loved the world that he sent. On the 41st time when Jesus uses the word sent one, he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. That means if you're a believer in here, the question is not, am I sent? But it's to where? We're all sent ones. Now, some in here will go further geographically than others. Some are going to go across the street. Some are going to go across the ocean. But we're all sent ones. Matthew 28, the first Great Commission text. Mark 16, 15. The second Great Commission text. Luke 24, John 20, 21. And Acts 1, 8. You will receive power. This is about not your abilities, but your availability. You will receive power. When the Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Why five commissionings? I think Jesus knows we like to live over here in our little life, with our little stuff, with our little friends, with our little comfort, with our little security, with our little savings, with our little safety. And we justify our inactivity of not making our mission his mission. That's why Paul the Apostle in Romans says this. It's always been my ambition. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel of Christ without knowing why. So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. One book, one theme. Beginning in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, the introduction. Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. The plot begins and goes all the way to Jude. And the conclusion is this. It works. It works. There is a multicultural worship service, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a song, You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scrolls and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. What God began at the Tower of Babel, he completes at the throne of God. One book. The question is, are you on board? Are you on board? Saturday, okay? Next week, Saturday, from 10 to 2. We're going to be here. I'm going to be right here Saturday from 10 to 2. And if you have four hours on behalf of the world, we're going to walk through how does this practically look in my life. If you have four hours on behalf of the world, we're going to look at some of the least reached peoples. This is known as the 1040 window, as many of you are familiar with. 10 degrees up from the equator, 40 degrees up, and it stretches clear across Asia. In this box is every major religion's home. In this box is 95% of those with zero access. And next week from 10 to 2, if you have four hours on behalf of the world, you're going to come learn how whether you go or stay, you play a part. When I first met my wife, Jessica, I took her to the one place that I wanted to see if we were going to be married. I took her to Starbucks. And uh, I can remember um, we walked into Starbucks, and as a spiritual leader, I wanted to make sure that I uh, ordered first. 
And so I just, I ordered my usual. I get it every time I go to Starbucks. It's just what I order. It's a venti, non-fat, no foam, sugar-free hazelnut latte, room temperature, double cup, no lid with a side of ice. And um, uh, she ordered next. And I remember she looked at the lady and she's like, I'll have a water. We sat down. I, I, I said, Jess, why did you order water? And she said, I don't drink coffee. I was devastated. <laughs> I said, if you want this relationship to work, you've got to come towards me in this. She's like, I'll try. We went back to Starbucks. She ordered a hot chocolate. I did not rebuke her publicly. We went back to Starbucks. She ordered a half hot chocolate, half coffee. We went back to Starbucks. She ordered a coffee with 17 sweet and lows. We went back to Starbucks. She ordered a coffee with four sweet and lows. And I remember the day she came to me and said, are you going to Starbucks? And I said, yes. She said, bring me a venti black. And I'm like, you reign, Lord. <laughs> but I tell you this story because something happens when you fall in love with someone. You begin to gravitate towards the things they love. For my wife, coffee wasn't on her radar. She didn't have the Starbucks app. She didn't know what pre-order was. She wasn't collecting the stars. But the more she fell in love with me, the more she fell in love with coffee. And I did the same thing with her. Before I got married, I thought Bed Bath & Beyond was a hotel. Now, Now I'm on Pinterest. I mean, weird things happen when you fall in love with someone. And so I hear people all the time in the four year of churches, oh, thank you, but missions isn't for me. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not for you? You love God. Don't you want to fall in love with what he loves? That's what happens. And and if God loves the nations, isn't that a big enough reason that we should love the nations? God has a heart for the world. Is that a big enough reason to make it your heart? So Father, this morning, we pray that over this wonderful congregation. We pray this, we just, we want to un, just, just dig deep into our hearts, this Genesis 12, this Abrahamic understanding, Lord, that we would be people committed to your mission and willing to give up our own to join you in what matters. We ask this in your name. Amen. So let's fall in love with what God loves over the next three weeks. Can we do that? We're going to be looking at my mission, his mission, uh, three weeks in a row this weekend. Next weekend, Todd's going to be preaching again next Sunday, but he's going to be with us this coming Saturday as well, as he mentioned, for our Mission Revolution seminar. It starts at 10 a.m. It finishes at 2 p.m. I I think there's a Husker game going on at 11 a.m., but we're supposed to win that anyway, so don't go. You know, it's okay. Uh, we've got lunch, we've got child care, but, but you won't have a lunch and you won't have child care if you don't pre-register. We need to have those counts. They're very, very important to us. So please stop by our information center, go online and register for that. Um, how many of you enjoyed this morning? Amen? Good? I think I could fall in love with coffee. You know what? I can relate to that story that your wife has because I wasn't always a lover of coffee. But it's amazing how that happens. Over time, you begin to fall in love with things or people that maybe you never thought you could. How many of you know God does that? And as we draw near to him, we reach far for him.
Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing service today. Thank you for um, expressing your heart through your servant, Todd. God, we want to capture what you want us to capture over the next weeks. My mission, your mission. God, I know for me personally, I don't, I don't know all that you have in mind for me concerning mission, concerning the nations. I know it's more than what I'm currently experiencing. God, I know that you want me to give more than I'm giving and be part of more than what I'm part of. And I, I don't know what all that is, God. And I think for so many here today, God, they don't know what part that is either or what part they play in it. But God, we ask you as a congregation, by your Holy Spirit, show us, show us your heart. Show us our part in your heart for the nations. God, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you today. Amen. On your way out, I encourage you to register for the conference this Saturday. On your way out, register for Financial Peace University. On your way out, there is a book table. Todd has a few books he's written on this subject. You want to prime the pump a little bit before this Saturday? I encourage you to go get those books. You will be blessed by them. Stand to your feet if you would this morning. Our prayer workers are coming. If you would like prayer this morning, we are here to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. If you're battling with discouragement or depression, or you've got some other things going on God wants to take care of so you can take care of kingdom stuff please come we want to pray with you if you raised your hand and got saved earlier today please come down there were four five six hands I think that went up please come down we've got a book we want to give you we want to bless you this morning amen have a great week in, a great week in Jesus